With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Shamrock, presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM.com using the promo code THEATHLETICPOD. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by my co-host Matt Fortuna on Take Your Kids to Work Day here on our FAIR podcast. Um, Matt, you were at Wrigley Field. I was at Notre Dame Stadium. We both had uh, our kids with us. And I I feel like we probably both had a good time, but maybe not as much as uh, the kids uh, that we brought to our games. That's a walk to work day. I haven't had one of the, well, I guess I work from home, so I get that every day. But as far as walking to a place to go and watch and cover college football games, especially an 11 a.m. game local time, that was awesome. We had a great time. Perfect football weather, high 40s, uh, just enough offensive action to keep everyone entertained and, uh, you know, warm pretzels, cold ice cream and uh, walk home for a nap in the middle of it. So. I think it was a win-win for everybody. Not, not no one was a bigger winner than Notre Dame today. Actually, I take that back. The biggest loser today was the poor souls who had the over in Notre Dame Georgia Tech because it was fifty-seven and a half, and Notre Dame <laughs> scored fifty-five points, and you still did not get that. Um, Jeff Collins tried early on with a ill-fated field goal attempt down forty-something points, and that was that. So there was one significant loser today, and my heart goes out to those overbetters because that's just a terrible way to lose. Yeah, that's uh, the, no boy though at all there. It uh, yeah, I brought both my kids for my sort of attempt at watching Brian Kelly watching Notre Dame, which I will be writing up later tonight, which was was interesting, but perhaps not completely enlightening about uh, a guy that is Notre Dame's all-time winningest head coach. But, you know, 55-0, we have not seen games like this before. It was so bad that my daughter Sloan actually was literally crying she felt so bad for Georgia Tech. She's uh, kind of a high-level empathy kid. Um, and I had to you know, let her know that this this happens from time to time. It's okay. Um, you know, they'll, Georgia Tech has actually won some games, even if it didn't look like it today. It's certainly not going to look like it next week either. But made 55 nothing. Tyron Williams with two touchdowns. Logan Diggs scores twice, once, rec- once uh, receiving, uh, and then a rushing touchdown. I mean, it was... They worked them over. Uh, Michael Mayer was excellent. Georgia Tech so bad that they triple teamed George Takis on the pass that went to Mayer for the I think fifty three yard touch or fifty one yard touch fifty two yard touchdown. Excuse me. Um, and it was interesting to hear, probably for the first time since we've been covering Notre Dame, to hear Brian Kelly talk about style points. Uh, he's mentioned resume before. Um, I don't feel like he's mentioned game control. Um, in a way that he did directly tonight after the game. So Notre Dame is, I mean, I, I wrote this when the first playoff rankings came out that Notre Dame's chances were slim or none or making it. Um, and this is slowly moving toward uh, me picking Iowa State to win the Camping World Bowl as something that will be thrown back in my face at the end of time. I thought, uh, that, honestly, I thought your slim to none column at the time was like a stretch, like in the positive direction. So I would, I would, I would, I would not I say mean, that. 
when I was writing it, I was like, should I even file this? This seems so ridiculous that like I, I would even entertain the possibility of Notre Dame as a playoff team. But I asked Brian Kelly, you know, sort of what do you what goes through your head as you're watching games like this unfold? And he said just how different this team is from what everyone saw against Toledo or everyone saw against Purdue. Uh, it's it's a program reinvented during the season, uh, reimagined during the season, and that is incredibly difficult to do. Uh, but they have pulled it off, and now when you just if you're just perusing box scores, and you see Notre Dame fifty five zero, and then you see Ohio State uh, what fifty six seven, and Michigan fifty nine eighteen, and Cincinnati forty eight fourteen, Georgia fifty six seven, like. Notre Dame fits into all that. They they look like a team that it can sort of rip your heart out while it's still beating. And that, I mean, they were struggling to beat Mac, a Mac school. They were struggling to beat a 500 ACC school, um, you know, earlier in the year. They struggled to beat a team on the road that fired its coach last week. So the fact that Notre Dame is such a different animal than it was in September and even early October, it um, these are the things when... You and I talk about maybe Brian Kelly's best coaching job, so on and so forth. Days like this are are one of the reasons why, because Notre Dame is so different, so much better than it was earlier in the year. Yeah, I completely agree. And yeah, it was interesting to hear him go there as far as you know, mentioning playoff or mentioning style points, I should say. Uh, Mike Tirico said during the broadcast, he addressed that with them beforehand, almost in the exact same context that he ended up saying post game, which was, you know, I'm not going to run it up for playoff rankings and purposes, but I do look at game control. Um, and he, he, you know, repurposed that phrase is post game press conference. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, if you told me yesterday, Notre Dame would beat Georgia tech by more than Ohio state beat Michigan state, I'd say, okay. If you told me that after Ohio state's game earlier today, I'd say that that might be a stretch, but sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And, you know, I, I'd love to hear one, I think Jeff Collins, if he hears this, might send a swag bag to your daughter, who I'm immediately picturing as Brian Kelly in the uh, uh, South Florida locker room at halftime last year saying, I'm tired of being the nice guy. She needs one of those speeches. Um, and two, God bless you, Jeff Collins. You got to play Georgia next week. Um, <laughs> I want I want him on this show next week to talk about the difference between Notre Dame and playing Georgia. Now, I'm sure there will be a difference, but I'm also not sure – George is going to win that game 55 nothing the way Notre Dame won this game 55 nothing. I'd like to to hear the differences uh, in the two programs from someone who will face them up close and back to back weeks because that's that's just not a not a healthy uh, serving for for the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech, especially after today. It was a rough go for them. Uh, anytime three different quarterbacks get in, nine different players get officially credited with the carry, and eleven different players catch a pass. Um, that's usually a good thing. That, that means this game was over almost before it started. And that's exactly what the case was for Notre Dame today. Yeah, I, I, maybe Jeff Collins has a future as uh, sort of the ESPN game day host before uh, the Notre Dame Georgia semifinal, um, whether that's in the <laughs> Orange Bowl or the Cotton Bowl. I don't know. I'm just saying it's an idea. But uh, it just it was interesting to watch Notre Dame toy with a, a Power Five opponent like this and. Uh, I actually was sitting a few rows behind Mick Asaf, friend of the pod, and he turned around and asked <laughs> Where's me, Where's he? Like, hey. He should have come on. <laughs> yeah. He asked me, you know, is this like the biggest beatdown you've seen in Notre, Notre Dame Stadium? And like, you know, I, I mentioned Bowling Green and New Mexico, but like those teams were awful. Right. Um, and they still scored points. Georgia Tech didn't. So, I mean, I, I have not covered a game like this under Brian Kelly. Um, 
where it was this comprehensive, two defensive touchdowns, uh, including a very feel-good one for Myron Tungabailoa Mosa uh, on that sort of fumble return touchdown. So it's um, it it's as comprehensive as it gets for Notre Dame. I mean, they're to play your best football against Georgia Tech is you may feel like yeah, it's kind of a waste of your best football. Um, but I think probably the the bigger takeaway is you if you're playing your best football in November, yes, that is a really good, healthy place to be for the Notre Dame football program. And I did not think they would get to this place this year. I didn't think they would get to this place in August before the season started. And I sure as hell didn't think they would get to this place in September as the season started to like clunk and go off the rails and you weren't sure whether they were going to get it all back. So it's uh, a massive amount of credit to this coaching staff for, for really pulling this back. And you I mean, you think about the last three weeks, six points to Navy, three points to Virginia shut out today. Uh, Stanford is not going to threaten you offensively. Um, you know, Marcus Freeman has, has really turned around this defense against some, I get it, terrible offenses, but, um, shutting people out or holding people without a touchdown is still a big deal. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Myron Taga Valamos. I tweeted at the time. And I mean it like no one deserved that senior day moment more than him. I actually sat down with him the other night for really extensive conversation that touched on literally everything on and off the field. One of the more enlightening interviews I think I've had in 11 years now being around this program, look for that. That's a complete plug, but look for that on the athletic, uh, this week, Thanksgiving week, looking forward to sitting down and putting the fishing touches on that feel good story. Great moment, great play. I mean, all for out. I did not think he was going to last that long um, with the football in his hand, but he did, and um, you could see how excited that made the rest of uh, the rest of the sideline. Um, to, to your point earlier about you know, can you remember a game like this? The final score wouldn't indicate this. That seventeen USC game was the one, the definitive moment for me when I was in that stadium and I walked out thinking, "Holy crap! I just watched the best." performance of the Brian Kelly yeah. era because that USC team won the Pac-12 that year. You yeah, know? Mich- Michigan and could have won by more. Were you here for Michigan in yes, 14? Yes, yeah, I was there. Um, but that was not a very – not that Georgia Tech's good, but like Brady Hope right. got fired that year. That was not a good Michigan team. That was a good USC team that they completely ran right. off the field in 17s. And that's the one that always sticks with my sticks in my mind. Uh, but I agree with you. Like, this isn't like, oh, we saved our best for Georgia Tech. It's no, we're getting better and better and better. And, you know, how many teams right now, Ohio State's definitely one of them, but how many teams around the country can say they're in a significantly better place at the end of November than they were at the beginning of September? And for Notre Dame, I mean, it's it's night and day. Um, you know, they're they're just a completely different football team. And we heard Brian Kelly talk about this post game, and he got asked, like, are you surprised about this team's growth? And, you know, one thing I, I've definitely learned and, and made my fair share of mistakes – um, asking him questions over the years huh. is ne- never say the word surprise because he's always kind of like it's my job to figure this out. I'm yeah, not be it's the S anything. word for him. Fra- yeah, phrase it, phrase it better. Uh, but he was just like, look, you know, that's why I coach, that's why I teach, that's why I educate. Like, you want to see what you can get out of this group. And he said something to that effect um, when they beat Wisconsin in Week Four and he got the Notre Dame um, career wins record. Um, he talked about the growth of that team because again, that was a team that. Um, you know, didn't look all that great against Purdue, Toledo, and Florida State in those first three games and was losing in the fourth quarter of that game before having a pretty perfect fourth quarter in all three phases of the ball. And um, again, it's about, you know, figuring stuff out and kind of enjoying the journey, for lack of a better term, and understanding where, um, you know, you're not always a finished product. And this team, you know, we've we've said it a million times, and, you know, barring a, a letdown of all letdowns next week at Stanford, like, 
going to be really hard to, to not say this is the best coaching job this guy's done in 12 years at Notre Dame. When you look at the talent on this roster, where they started, where they're finishing, um, we could get to playoff later. But the fact that we're having a legitimate conversation about this in November, I mean, if, even before the Cincinnati loss, if you said that to me about this team, I would have laughed in your face. I mean, it, it just like they were so far away from even being able to entertain that that P word that, um, you know, it's pretty crazy to think um, they've made it this far. I mean, it's just, you know, the defense has not given up a touchdown in three games. Like, they, you know, they win 55 nothing. So I'm naturally thinking about the offense because they haven't scored that many points all year. But like, that's a shutout. That's against a power five team. That's not like Georgia Tech's not good. I'm not going to like make them out to be, you know, this, the, this great electric offense. But like, it's a formidable power five opponent that ran North Carolina off the field earlier this year and gave Virginia all they could handle on the road earlier this year. So, um, just a wholly impressive performance really in all three phases for Notre Dame today. I mean, I, I just, I did not see it coming to this effect. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. No, I mean, none None of that I felt like was coming or, or in the cards. Like, just the, the fact that you could even get Notre Dame to this point. Right. I mean, I think, I'm sure I said on a podcast earlier in the year that I didn't think the offensive line was capable of improving. Again, like, they've, they've been outstanding. Um, they've just been absolutely outstanding since the end of the Virginia Tech game. I mean, that, that really is sort of where things came together. Um you know, three sacks today, but again, it's not all on the offensive line. You know, the the run game, six and a half, six and a half yards per carry. Um, you know, that, some of that inflated by Tyler Buckner's 68 yard run. But I think one of the um, one of the interesting sort of threads that were pulled after the game with Brian Kelly was about, you know, you've got a lot of older guys on this team. Uh, a senior class that's been around maybe has not had a lot of individual success. If you look sort of where that class was when it signed versus what it's doing now, um, that class has struggled uh, despite winning a ton of games. And then you have a, a very highly touted freshman class, the you know, hotshot quarterback, running back receiver, some surprise starters on the offensive line. And Brian Kelly talked about how one of the the big stories with this team, to him at least, is like, the fact that the freshman class has had enough humility to, to be led, um, not to try mm-hmm. to be out in front of everything, not to, you know, to sort of put their ego aside and just listen to what Kyron Williams, uh, if you're Logan Diggs, have to say. Just listen to Kevin Austin or Avery Davis if you're Deion Colsey or Lorenzo Styles. Just listen to Jack Cohn if you're Tyler Buckner. Uh, and, and, you know, the way Kelly described it, he's like, it was clear that he has not had teams like that every time this kind of dynamic mm-hmm. pops up at Notre Dame. Um, 
I mean, I, th- I think that we could point to, and they've even had winning teams where that dynamic has not pumped up. Like, I think that the, the Reese Golson dynamic for 2012 was not rosy. Um, it was certainly not cone Buckner like in terms mm-hmm. of how those guys got along. So the fact that they were Brian Kelly can look at this roster now and feel like there's a lot of sort of shared direction and momentum and people pulling in one direction. That is, that is not insignificant for the team's improvement, especially on a team where they're trying to break in a freshman quarterback while a senior quarterback is on pace to not only set the career completion percentage record, but may also set the single season completion percentage record. And if Notre Dame wins its next two games, we'll also have the career winning percentage record. Um, And this is from a quarterback that I think a lot of the fan base was just like, we're ready to move on from at midseason. Yeah, yeah, we, we we were debating whether Drew Pine should start after yeah. the Cincinnati. I feel game. like I, I, yet another thing that I was way off on that yeah. I thought Drew Pine was. The I never said that. I, I, I mean, I'm I'll not own I saw, it. I know that I, I wrote that. I'm not saying I saw this coming from Cone, but I did not think they should have uh, started Drew Pine. Um, the leadership thing is very interesting because that was, I wouldn't say there was a question mark for me coming in, but like. You lose those big fellas up front. You lose a three-year starter and two-time captain at quarterback. And I just thought somewhere along the line, especially early on when this did not look like that great of a football team, like not having that those rocks to, to hold everything together the way you had in these previous teams was going to show itself at some point. And it never did. Like there were moments, especially that Virginia Tech game, where it certainly could have. And that didn't happen. And when you add to the fact that you've got a captain on each side of the ball who's basically out for the year right now and Kyle Hamilton and Avery Davis, and they're still finding a way to be engaged. And this team is still finding a way to uh, fight for each other and get things done. I mean, it's just, it's surprising, quite frankly, like you just don't see this this much, especially given all the the big personalities that last year's team had on its roster that are not there this year. It's just, I mean, even, you know, I think the underclassmen have a lot to do with that as well. Michael Mayer got asked a similar question to what Brian Kelly did about, um, the older guys help the younger guys, and Mayer's kind of in the middle of it, right? Like he's only yep. a sophomore, but he's played more snaps than ninety percent of the roster at this point. Um, he's he's kind of seen been on the receiving end, giving end of both of it, and I think that's a great um, kind of example of, of the the state of this program right now. I mean, how many times have you you said on this show what's a successful season? Make a New Year Six game and show enough young talent for next year, like. <laughs> That's done. Ta-da. Like they've done that. Like that's yeah. <laughs> that that's complete. Like it's already a successful season uh, by those standards, which I completely agree with. And and that the fact that they're still pushing it and pushing it and pushing it makes you wonder how far they can take it. Yeah, it's um, it, it definitely changes your all right. Well, what's what's really possible with this team? Um, you know, do I think they're good enough to beat Georgia? No, but I don't think anybody is. Certainly. I would like to see Ohio State at today's level of play versus Georgia. If we're yes, I would about. too. I think is you know sort of a neutral observer of the sport. That's the matchup that I would most want to see in the playoff in the championship game. But you know, could Notre Dame knock off everybody else in the country except those two? Yeah, I mean, despite the fact that you know we've talked about the offensive line and the youth, and you know they're without Kyle Hamilton, probably unlikely to get him back. Despite all of that, um, they they're at at a point now where it makes sense to believe that they could do that, you know, whether it be Oregon or Oklahoma or dare I say it, Alabama. Um, 
which is not something that I plan to say again in in my lifetime after covering <laughs> two Notre Dame Alabama games. But this this, this, this is team, the first next step, Pete. Yeah, okay. This we've seen it. We've seen it. <laughs> Eleven months later, we're seeing the first next step. <laughs> it. Uh, I mean, it's all right there, and it it's impressive as hell to think about how they got there because this was to me, it was not. A reloading year. It wasn't a rebuilding year. They were just sort of recalibrating everything. But I thought like the best case of that was a somewhat wobbly 10 and 2. Get to a New Year's Six game. If you get a good matchup, win it. If you get a bad matchup, you know, like Ohio State, for example, you probably lose it. Um, but now it's like, were they wobbly in September and October? Yeah, for sure. But it's They've turned it on since then, and they're really ending on a very high note for the program, which I just I did not see coming earlier in the season. Yeah, Drew Brees spoke a little bit about this at the end of the broadcast, as far as just his first year really being immersed in college football day to day. The you know the way he is now, and you know he wants it expanded because there should be room to reward teams like Notre Dame, right? That are playing their best ball at the end, even if they didn't start out that way. And you know I, we'll get there eventually with twelve teams, as long as the Leadership of the sport doesn't screw it up, <laughs> but well, like, I, I mean, it, it's interesting. Like uh, would I pick Notre Dame against any of those, like Alabama, Alabama, Oregon, I guess Cincinnati's still in there. Like teams that are Michigan, I guess teams are definitively ahead of them right now, at least in the committee's eyes. Like I think Georgia's kind of its own league right now. Ohio state has played its way into a new league today. Um, those are teams I probably wouldn't want anything to do with if I were Notre Dame right now, but yeah, I mean, Look, this isn't last year's Alabama's team, and that's nothing to apologize for that if you're Notre Dame, but, like, why not? Like, why not see how far you can take this thing? Because right now um, – now, we saw Virginia Day with Brendan Armstrong. They scored 38 points. They are a much different football team. I don't think they beat Notre Dame last week with them, but, like, they got to make – Notre Dame has to work for it. Whereas they would have scored a touchdown. Over, they would have scored a touchdown. I, I would agree with that. Um, like, Notre Dame right now, like, I hate to say like you're not working for it, but you haven't given up a touchdown in three weeks. Like this is easy for you right now. Like, like it's allowed you to improve and get young guys in and get necessary reps. Now I want to see them, whether it's a new year, six ball, whether it's in a college football playoff matchup, get the opportunity to test its best version of itself against an opponent of equal stature. Cause I think that'll be really exciting to see. And it's like, if you're sort of playing that out, if you're gaming this out a little bit and thinking about, all right, well, if, if Notre Dame's not in the playoff, what matchup do you want to see? At a minimum, you would like Cincinnati to make the playoff. Um, because if that happens, Notre Dame goes to the Fiesta Bowl. Notre Dame goes to the Fiesta Bowl. You're most likely to end up sort of with, uh, you know, an Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, a Michigan State. Um, you know, maybe a Michigan drops down there, depending on what happens to them against Ohio State. If Cincinnati goes, does not make the playoff and they end up in the Peach Bowl, I'm sorry, they have been the festival. The Notre Dame heads to the Peach Bowl. And at that point, it's Pittsburgh. It's Wake Forest. You're, I don't think you're really getting Clemson. sort of... Yeah, I, I don't know if you're getting the same validation. I mean, in some ways, you probably would... Clemson would be the team you'd most want to see there if you're Notre Dame, just because like you can... Saying you beat Clemson <laughs> is different than saying you beat Wake Forest or Pat Narduzzi. So you beat them um, two out of the last yeah. four times, three times you played them. You know, there's a ch- there's a chance maybe you could draw Ole Miss, which would be a incredibly fun matchup to watch. But um, that's that's sort of the lay of the land for now. I don't, you know, it's like the the conversation about Notre Dame: are they a playoff team? Are they not a playoff team? Like somebody has to make up the top four. Mm-hmm. Georgia's going to be in there. 
I still would be absolutely floored if Ohio State was not um, at the end because they they are playing at such a high level right. right now. But then you get to the the Oregon, Cincinnati, Michigan, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State. 12, yeah, that's you know Oklahoma. I guess technically is there too. Like that is all that all is up for grabs. I mean, that's what six teams for two spots um, or f- five teams for two spots. Like that's. That is not unreasonable for Notre Dame to make it. Um, you know, as we're recording, Oregon's playing Utah. They'd have to play Utah again. Michigan right. has to play Ohio State. Well, and, and Oregon State next week. Yeah, big game could Cincinnati be the division. Will play. Still has to play Houston. Um, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma still play twice. You know, if Notre Dame's position within that group is as good as it gets, like nobody has an easier path to avoid a loss than Notre Dame. All those other teams also have the opportunity to notch a win that will turn heads with the committee. That's, that's fine. Notre Dame can live with that, but just by Notre Dame may make the playoff just by not losing. And in the past, I mean, what we've seen with Notre Dame, I think they've been tripped up by the lack of quality wins. They don't really have any quality wins this year, unless you want to stretch and count Wisconsin. Um, Purdue will be eight and four by next week. They'll be ranked in the final poll, but Notre Dame is playing well enough right now that I think you're you're starting to look past the quality of the wins and more to see the quality of the performance if you're Notre Dame. And that's that's a good place for Notre Dame to be. I feel like they have ground to stand on, whereas even in 2015, right? Like, I think the 2015 team was better than this team. Um, oh, yeah. But that team didn't have any quality wins, nor did they play all that well. Like, they didn't have the 55 nothing performance. Um late in the season that I remember. Yeah, they, um, they, they, I mean, th- that was the most banged up football team I think I've ever right. seen in my life, but no, yeah, they were, they were dragging to the finish line in some respects. Yeah. And so th- this team is not like that. And, you know, with that in mind, I think you can, you can make an argument if you're Notre Dame, be like, Hey, look, we are a program that's, you know, Brian Kelly uses the term ascending a lot. Um, that was not said when Notre Dame, I mean, their last second half of the season, they beat USC by 10. They beat Temple by four. They beat Pittsburgh by 12. They beat Wake Forest by 21. They beat Boston College by three. And then they lost at the gun uh, to Stanford uh, after giving up a ridiculous drive to, to close the game out. So that that team was not playing better as the season went on. This team is. So it's um, that's something that I, you know, even if that team was more raw, had more, way more raw talent. Um, this team can say like, Hey, we're maximizing who we are. We're greater than the sum of our parts. And like not every Notre Dame team, even good ones have been able to say that. Yeah. And, and that's sports, particularly college sports. I mean, not even just college. I mean, the NBA finals this past year, that was probably the third best Milwaukee Bucks team in the last three years, but the postseason lined up for them perfectly and they end up winning it all. Like uh, I think they're some of the best Alabama teams of Nick Saban's tenure did not win at all because they ran into Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson. Like they're, if you're you're in if you're an elite program as Notre Dame is right now, I mean we're talking about them possibly making the playoff three out of four years. If you're an elite program and you're getting yourself in that conversation year after year after year, one year the odds are in your favor that it's going to line up for you, even if it's your best team or not. And this is not their best team, but as far as having a chance to make the playoff despite not having the strongest resume in the world, it's a it's a real possibility. I mean, I, I was interested. NBC ran a few graphics late. Um, and their scenario basically, like they need Wisconsin to beat Ohio State to eliminate the Big Ten. I, I don't know if that's necessary. Um, 
And it's not necessary. It would be helpful. Oh, it would be very helpful. But as far as Oregon's now down 7 nothing to start. But have Oregon lose one of their next three games, I think that's very possible. <laughs> Might be done with by the time we're, we publish this thing. Um, have Oklahoma, Oklahoma State split Bedlam, assuming they play twice. Also very possible because I think it's really hard to win a rivalry game twice. Um, and then, I mean, at that point, Big 12's out, Pac-12's out. ACC's out. You've got pesky Cincinnati. I I just have no idea what the committee's going to do with Cincinnati. I, I really don't like. I, I mean, if you're Notre Dame, you want Cincinnati to make it with you now. Like I would think so. Earlier I, in the year, I was like, well, I don't see a path for Notre Dame to make it with Cincinnati because there weren't enough spots. Now, the way you described it, like I think I wrote that Notre Dame making the playoff was sort of like a 12-team parlay. Well, we're sitting here and like seven of the bets have already hit, and like, we got and five to go. In that scenario, we're talking Georgia, Ohio State, Cincinnati. And I, I still think if Alabama loses to Georgia by anything less than 20, I think Alabama's in. At least Maybe over right. at least over Notre Dame. Like the, the committee's not going to say, Notre Dame, you didn't play this week. Alabama just played the best team in the country. We're going to reward Notre Dame. They're not going to do that. The same way Notre Dame didn't get penalized for losing to Clemson last year, the second time against AM. Like I think I don't think playing a 13th game in and of itself is that important the way so many people make out to be when you're playing a 13th game against the best team in the country, or you make a statement with that game. I think that's where the difference comes. And when you compare that and Alabama's resume top to bottom, I know it's not a vintage crimson tide team. I know they would have lost two games in that scenario to Notre Dame's one, but I mean, they've got, I think today was their sixth win against a power five team. That's 500 or better. I don't think off the top of my head, Notre Dame is, is in that department just yet. I'm not sure anyone is, quite frankly. Like, it's for as long as we're not judging them by like last year's Alabama's team, this is still a damn good football team with a really good resume that I think, if it doesn't get run off the field against Georgia, would still get in. Cincinnati to me is just a wild. Like, would Bama make it over undefeated conference champion Cincinnati? In that case, I hope not. But I, I don't know yeah, if that's, I, I really sure. don't. Like, this is as far as unprecedented. This truly is unprecedented. Like, a group of five team even being remotely into the discussion this late in the season just never happened before. So I don't know how it's going to shake out. I'm still not, I'm not convinced if they all both went out, well, Notre Dame's case one game, but I'm still not convinced Notre Dame can't jump Cincinnati with the way, like they just keep knocking Cincinnati's schedule. Um, I, I just, undefeated I'm not Cincinnati? That, yeah. I, I just, I, I don't know. I'm just, hmm. I, I'm not saying that will happen, but I, I think <laughs> especially when we're talking brand names like Notre Dame versus group of five, like they, they don't care about head to head. I mean, they've made that much clear uh, right. so far. Although, yeah, I think we're, we're safe in our assumptions that Michigan will be at Michigan state um, yeah. this coming Tuesday. It's just very interesting because we're looking at a scenario where maybe three of the power five conferences are out. And like, I'm not, I'm not even talking about Ohio state losing because with the way they've played today and even last week, they're at another level right now and they, and they look really damn good. Although I'll be curious to see Michigan's improvement against them next week relative to past years where that game you could almost forget about because you just knew how it was going to go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, pretty much the formula is what? Utah wins tonight. They beat Oregon. Mm-hmm. At that point, the Pac-12 is, is finished. Uh, the ACC is finished. Um, you know, you're then you're really down to sort of three or four matchups that you need to go your way, and then you, then you you would be able to sneak in if you're Notre Dame. But uh, and I, f- I feel like <clears throat> whether Notre Dame makes it or not, it's not going to change my opinion of the season. No. Um, you know, and we I think we talked about the poll that I put out during the week, like. Would you sort of a if you could choose one end game for the year, would you choose a win over Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl or a loss to Georgia in the playoff? Like the win over Michigan won basically seventy five percent of the vote, but like one way or the other, I don't think I'm going to feel all that differently about that season, regardless of that. If those were the two outcomes, I would sort of sort of see the season very similarly, um, assuming it's not like. 50 to three in either of those games, either Notre Dame beat Michigan or lost to Georgia by that margin. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would err toward the side of playoff, of course, but I don't. Oh, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm not, not saying like one's not one's one clearly is better than the other. Yeah. But in terms I, of I the just, season. No, I like, agree. Like there's, there's very little that again, there's only one regular season game left. So I'm not even going out on a limb here. There, there's very little that could happen that would change my opinion of this team at this point. I mean, it's getting better and better week by week. I mean, yeah, go out and win 60 nothing next week instead of 55 nothing a day. I suppose it could get even better. But, like, it's a damn good football team that's playing its best ball at the best time, and and that's um, that's impressive. Like, not a lot of teams do that, especially under the circumstances Notre Dame's been under where they've had a lot of injuries. They had a lot of experience. Yeah, I, I almost cut you off earlier when you were talking about the offensive line and their improvement. Um, yeah, I mean, it's – I hate to say it's as simple as like putting Joe Wallet at left tackle, who was a four stringer at the beginning of the season, but we both heard the minute he stepped on campus, this guy's going to be a first round draft pick in three years. Like he's damn good. Now you got to give the other guys in front of him opportunities to earn that spot or lose that spot. And they did that and it almost cost them. But, you know, between him and uh, Andrew Christophic, Christophic on the left side, I mean, I was talking to someone in the Goog this week and who said, you know, for, for all the, the criticism you guys lobbed Jeff Quinn's way early on, you should be crediting him now. It's, it's not easy when you're playing all those young guys. And I, I said, the young guys aren't the problem. <laughs> it's the older yeah. guys who were, who were the problem and still are some of the problem. He's like, you know what, you're, you're, you're not wrong. So um, it's been a very weird year up front, to, put, to say the least. But it's definitely in the place where I thought, at least preseason, they would be or would eventually get to. Because it... <laughs> It's it's very easy to forget right now how freaking bad this unit was the first half of the season. Oh yeah, like how painful this team was to watch at the beginning of the season. Yeah, um, that is about. I don't know if you have any other uh, thoughts. Uh, I, I had a feel. question for you actually. Yes. They showed John Bon Jovi on the screen. I want to know if your kids are like every other Notre Dame fan who apparently has no idea who the hell this guy is. <laughs> uh, my kids were. Well, my wife and son were getting hot chocolate, so they missed the John Bon Jovi part. Uh, but my daughter was like, "Who's that, John Bon Jovi?" I think that Jesse's dad. <laughs> yeah, she knew living on a prayer. Um, good. That, so that puts her like that. in the top one percent now. I feel like that was good parenting on my part. Um, so that yeah, that was a cool moment. They like the flyover um, for the crotchety old guy that wrote in that letter to the South Bend Tribune complaining about the the video board being too loud like they didn't have any complaints about that so overall it was I'd say it was a pretty good fan experience especially when you're sitting in those blue seats uh 
very plush. I mean, I feel like you're going to like a luxury movie theater with the with the recliners. Um, definitely these seats from Pete. There, yeah, there was. <laughs> uh, we had one hey down in front guy about a few a few rows behind us, but there was only one of them. Uh, let's see, there was a woman that was so inebriated that she almost walked out onto the field, like through the mums. Georgia Tech uh, fan? No, Notre Dame fan. Uh, and then she was escorted out. My son got to do push-ups after it was 17 nothing. That was the only time we tried it because there were some adult males behind us who tried it at 24 nothing, and Damn, the ushers were cool. all over them about like, oh, nope, really? nope, can't do that. Sorry. Hmm. Um, so overall, it was a it was a really good fan experience. I have to um I definitely have to give some credit over to Brian Proct in uh, sort of ticketing and marketing because mm-hmm. you know, early in the year it looked like the atmospheres for Navy and Georgia Tech at the end of the year were gonna be pretty dour um so these weren't the free tickets since your kids got vaccinated no, recently? these were okay. not the free vaccination tickets that good, we good. use i don't They're think they away gave from- <laughs> this level of ticket away in row four behind on the 40 yard line uh for getting vaccinated but it um it was a good atmosphere i mean people were into it um so i i, I credit notre dame for sort of turning that around because mm-hmm. That was looking very dicey in September in terms of what November was going to look like inside Notre Dame Stadium. Yeah, between that and the Peacock experiment, at least from a fan experience standpoint, seemed to fall flat. Um, I had my questions about, along with the product on the field, I had my questions about what the intrigue and, and experience would be like given the underwhelming home slate at the end of the season. And, um, you know, I was at that USC game. It completely turned around for me. That was just an awesome show, even if it wasn't like the best game as far as historic USC Notre Dame games go. Uh, I thought they did a tremendous job of just really making that event, that an event along with Carolina the following week. And um, to hear you in your first class seats, your, your one percenters talk about it. Um, it sounded like today was pretty fun too. Yeah. We had a very good time. So uh, we are, we actually uh, we're taking ours to Nick's Bulls tomorrow night. So really, I don't know which one of us is more spoiled. Wow. Football and basketball weekend right before thanksgiving in this house that's imp- that's impressive yeah my family would be making the trip out to palo alto uh but just dropping me at the game and then going back to half moon bay they will not be spending uh very much time on the stanford campus i don't believe but i think this this might have been that might be it and they got their full uh, fill of college football in person this season but i don't know maybe they'll have to go to the playoff i mean we'll see Oof. that would be a shame right have to yeah, go away to florida or uh dallas right yeah, yeah could happen accountable. We'll see about that. So, uh, but Matt and I will be back next week to talk uh, about your story on Myron Tagovailoa Mosa. Um, I am hopeful to have a feature about the guy that he ran the length of the field with, Isaiah Foskey, next week as well on the Athletics. So, be a big defensive line week on our uh, website and podcast. We should so, grow out mustaches not our Mike Elston. Well, yeah, we exactly. It, uh, I've been encouraged not to do that in my house uh, when I I've done it. made an effort. Done it twice. I think there's photo evidence of you actually having a mustache. Okay, that's right. Kyle Brinza actually called me out for it on senior day yeah. way back when. Yeah. And I mean, justifiably so. It was a oh, oh there is, uh, there's another photo evidence we're talking about as well that we won't get into. <laughs> That'd be another podcast for another yes. time. So another uh, <laughs> until midweek, uh, when we come back to talk about Stanford and sort of another round of playoff rankings in the books that is getting somewhat real now. Um, but we'll break down all that midweek before Thanksgiving and obviously post game uh, from Palo Alto after Notre Dame Stanford. So until then, he's Matt Fortuna. I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for being with us on the latest episode of the Shamrock. Shamrock.